You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The only things that really stick are the things of which we are really guilty. So when he makes an accusation against us, if it's true and we're struggling with it at that time, we can acknowledge it and say, yes, that's true, but you have to take it up with my advocate, who is Jesus. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, today joined by Jose Abroa. Jose, thanks for being here. Good to be here. And joined by this week's speaker, the one and only Bob Moss. Well, thank you. It's always good to be here. Awesome, Bob. You had a great message on Sunday talking about permanent peace as we continue our Peace in Exile series. So I'd love for you to unpack kind of some of your thoughts, maybe even just kind of how you came to the title Permanent Peace and kind of what were some of your thoughts as you put the message together for us? Well, permanent peace is just what it means. It's permanent and it comes from God. And he is the one that initiated it and he is the one that sustains it, and he is the one who makes it so simple in our lives when we surrender to him. And it's always there for us. It's permanent because it's a part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I'd love to kind of touch on a few points that you made, Bob, just kind of one after another here. One that you talked about uh, is permanent peace can only be found in the kingdom of light. And you've kind of talked on and off, but I'd love for people, maybe this is the first time, or maybe this past week was the first time they'd heard your kind of kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. So I'd love if you kind of gave just a quick recap on kind of how peace is so woven into that, that God's been showing you. Well, the kingdom of light, uh, is the kingdom of God. And it all goes back to about four years ago when Rob was taking a class in seminary and he required that he have a mentor. So he asked me if I would be his mentor, which I was really honored to do. And then he, he each month we would study a book. Well, this one month, he gave me a book, Change the Culture, Change the Game. And I can remember in prayer, just saying, Lord, what is your culture? You know, I, I want, if I can get your culture, then I don't have to worry about any other culture. And immediately the verse came back to me that the kingdom of God does not come with eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that is his culture. It's, it, it, there's perfect peace in his kingdom. There's joy all the time, and there's righteousness. Everything is in order. So that's where it originated with me in understanding it that way. That's really good. Yeah, and when I think of Jesus and how he exemplified those three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, he did those in surprising ways at times, and and yet he was so consistent to that message and bringing about the kingdom of God here on earth. So Mm -hmm. I remember the first time you shared that with me, Bob, how enlightening that was because all of a sudden it gave words, simple words, three words, that completely encapsulates what Jesus 
did while he was with us for yeah. those three years, what uh, the accounts that are written down in the gospels and and then how Paul and others in the epistles teach us how to live mm-hmm. as, as followers of Jesus. And it really, you know, the kingdom of light is the goal. Mm-hmm. Living in the kingdom of light yes. is is the goal. Yeah, that's really good. And Bob, I'd love for us to kind of talk about the idea of Satan being an accuser, kind of one of the threats to peace that you highlighted just in, in the gospel story and through Zechariah and just the the ways in which Satan was even just accusing Jesus, who is this perfect man and accuses us. And one of the things you just mentioned was just how uh, he reminds us of our past, the things that we've done, the things that we're guilty of. And so I'd love for to hear both of y'all kind of talk about maybe some, some kind of ways in which you wrestle with or, or, or respond to the accusations that Satan may still be throwing at you to this day. Well, the gospel is a liberating message because it liberates us from guilt and it liberates us from shame uh, through the atoning work of Christ, the the blood that he shed. And as he is is now the high priest, Mm -hmm. so he intercedes for us continually and he, uh, he, he made a sacrifice once for all. And the all is all-inclusive of every human being that has ever lived. I mean, God, God took away sin in that respect. So the only thing that the enemy can do is uh, make accusations. He's a roaring lion. And he he'll he'll blow up things, you know, magnify things. But the only things that really stick are the things of which we are really guilty, in the sense that we have done those things. We are uh, they're realities of our past, or they're struggles that we have in the present. So. When he makes an accusation against us, it is, uh, there's one of two responses that we can make. If it's true and we're struggling with it at that time, we can, we can acknowledge it and say, yes, that's true, but you have to take it up with my advocate, mm-hmm. who is Jesus. Yeah and point him towards Jesus. And uh, so that is, that is one aspect of it. But if it is something that we don't struggle with anymore because we have been, uh, we've overcome a habit or a hangup or a hurt or whatever it is, and we are able to know in our heart that that's not a problem that we have anymore. We can simply say like it was the angel of the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Mm -hmm. Satan. Mm -hmm. The Lord who chose Jerusalem (laughs) rebuke you. Mm -hmm. And the Lord who died for me on Calvary rebuke you and make it a statement of reality a statement of fact, reminding Satan of what mm-hmm. the truth is about Jesus, because he's our, he is our advocate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've been purchased by 
the blood of Christ. Amen. So I think of that practically speaking when I feel strange, when I feel, you know, I loved your definition yesterday about bitterness. I know it wasn't original, but you said bitterness. Uh, would you say it's like poison that you drink, Drinking. hoping that it will kill the other person or something yeah. like that. When I see bitterness creep into my life, um, yeah, the first thing that I check is my ego, something that you've taught me so much about, Bob, and making sure that there's no sin in me that that is unchecked, that is unconfessed, um, that, uh, you know, that I need to bring to light and, and unto the Lord so that that can be reconciled and so that I could be healed. Then the second thing is I check for, for, for the enemy's presence because he is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's looking for us when we're weak. He's looking for us when we're insecure, caught off guard, and that's when he's most successful. And so when I do realize that it is supernatural, because most of the times I feel like personally, it's my own stuff. It's my own sin. When I'm feeling off, when I'm feeling distant from the Lord, um, it's my sin that that does that. But at times there is the enemy, it is the enemy that is trying to accuse and separate me from, from the love of God. I love how you put that yesterday, um, that the enemy does not want us to come to Jesus at all. And when it, it is him, I just remind myself, wait a second, I belong to the one who Amen. purchased my life. Amen. And so therefore, the enemy has zero, zero percent chance to to claim any part of my life, thought, mind, heart, anything, because I'm 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 reigning in Amen. Christ. Bob, you mentioned kind of guilt and shame, not only just just now earlier, but even just in your message. And so uh, what would both of y'all say to someone that's really wrestling with that? They know maybe on paper that their sins are forgiven. One of the things that you kind of stressed yesterday, just this idea that the sin is gone and our sin um, is gone. But but what about someone that's just still caught up just with, with shame and guilt uh, about their past? What are some things y'all would really kind of try to encourage them as they're kind of stuck in this in this place? That's a good question. <laughs> um, guilt and shame comes from our past, things that we have done. And like I said earlier, they, they wouldn't matter if they weren't true. Because if, if an accusation comes at us that we know is not true, that's, not, that's gonna be like water off a duck's back. But mm -hmm. if something is real, then that's different. You know, so we have to address it. Well, how are we going to address it? Are we going to try to take it on ourselves and fight? If we do, we're we've immediately lost because suddenly our attention is away from the Lord and it's in the battle and it's mm -hmm. on something that Christ has already taken care of. So our focus always needs to be to come back to the Lord and abide in Him. And the, the primary key for me is to have the Word of God hidden That's in it. my heart. That's it. Because if I know the Scripture yeah. and I can come back with Scripture, and for a young Christian, I don't believe there is anything more important than for them to get into a systematic uh, plan for memorizing Scripture. And at Cypress Creek Church, we use the Verses app for our, whether we've got an Android or an iPhone now. 
It's available in both. Shameless plug. Get the Verses app. Start memorizing scripture. (laughs) I'm telling you. And I'm here to help anybody, Mm. um, anybody that is interested in doing anything, just text. All you have to do is email me at bob at cypresscreekchurch.com and... I'll be on it like white on rice. <laughs> <laughs> I I concur. Yeah, I've I've been so challenged by you and still feel challenged and memorizing scripture is such a key spiritual discipline for us. I uh, in thinking about that question Taylor immediately the verse came to mind. I had to look it up because I don't have this memorized yet. <laughs> Psalms uh, 103 in its verse 11 and 12 says for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. And so that question that you Amen. posed yesterday, where is our sin? I've never thought about that, Bob. Like, where did the sin go? Did it dissipate? Is it like fire? Probably is kind of yeah. like fire. You know, it's been purified and so it's gone. Yeah. Um, it, it's just been burnt up and, and, and doesn't, you know, exist. But in this verse, how... Crazy. As far as the east is from the west, uh, Samuel, my three-year-old, um, he calls it his uh, com- compost, compose, composter or something. Like it's his compass. He has a little compass, but he's learning the directions. Uh-huh. And, you know, what is N, north, east, west, south? He's learning, and it, 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 it just makes me think about how crazy it is. As far as the east is from the west, obviously there's no physical place yeah. that that's describing, but it's describing that when we're in Christ, it's gone. Yeah. But you know, the one thing about that east is from the west that I was taught many years ago, when you go east, you always go east. Yeah. And, but when you go north and south, if you go, you can only go north so far and then you start going south again because eventually you're going to stop going north. So... Going east from west is eternal. If you go west, you're always going west. If you go east, you're always going east. There is no end to going. Have you ever thought about that? I haven't, but it makes sense. It it does. I want to... I want to now sit and, oh and meditate on that for a little bit because that is deep. Take five. <laughs> Give us a minute. Um, no, but that's really good. Uh, Bob, You, one of the things tying into even just the last question that you kind of hit us with, especially at the end, was just this idea that there's only one thing that God is asking us to do and that is to surrender. And I'd love to kind of camp out there just a little bit and just kind of asking, um, what, is that, what does that kind of look like? And what are some ways... I you mentioned as far as just the practical memorizing scripture, but when it comes to just our decisions, when it comes to our day-to-day life, what does it look like to live a surrendered life to Christ? Well, I'm, I've shared this before, and I have, I have five things. There are five, like, uh, really uh, tenets, or there's, there are five rock-solid things that I used to guide my life. Number one is non-judgment. Jesus says, do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. So number one is don't judge other people. Number two is don't resist my circumstances. 
Uh, I'm talking there about my life circumstances. I have no control over the things that happen around me, outside of me. So I don't resist them. But Jesus, or Paul said, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. I try to be grateful for everything that is happening because I know it's going to teach me a lesson. Number three, surrender means non-attachment to the things of this world. I've given them all up to the Lord. I've surrendered them to Him. The fourth thing is non-attraction to anything in the world. Mm -hmm. My attraction, I want it to be 100% to Jesus because I do believe that whatever we're attracted to will come back Mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, I do believe that that is a law. So I don't want to be attracted to anything in the world or anything of the world. So the the fifth thing, and this is some people have a hard time understanding this, but I don't have any ambition for anything in the world. Any, for example, I have no ambition for success because in Christ, I am complete in Him and I can only experience that fullness in Him through absolute surrender to Him. And surrender means giving myself up completely to Him. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have struggles in my life. I've got hidden desires that I have to deal with that God exposes. But the moment they're exposed, that is when I just want to give them up. So it's a continual process, and it, it's not something that I came to easily. I'm, I'm getting ready to celebrate my 78th birthday, mm-hmm. and it's only been in really, I would say, the last five years of my life that I have really, really began to understand it. And I have to give a lot of credit to Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing, Bob. It really is. I mean, that's a, not only is it a sermon, it's a series, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Many of those are found in the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. And, and I think that, well, I'll just say this personally, you're an inspiration as a follower of Christ to me personally in my life right now. But I know that as, as, as you share, our church listens to you and, and is encouraged. Yesterday, I was so it refreshed, your your passion for the gospel refreshed me. And there were times when you were speaking that you can't, you can't bring up this sense of, of reality that in, in the way that you communicated, you know, the gospel was real yesterday as you were um, presenting and, and preaching to me. It, it, it was like, yes, this is the truth that we hold on. We know it. We talk about it all the time. I, you know, surrender to it every single morning. But there's this sense of awe when we corporately are able to grasp the depth of the gospel in, in, in a way that we experienced yesterday. And so just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful yeah. that you're a part of my life and a part of our church's life. Well, I am so blessed to be a part of this church. I feel like I've been a part of this church from the very get-go because of my relationship For with sure. Rob. For sure. Rob 
and Susan, they've been such a tremendous blessing to Linda and me over the years. And to be a part of this now, to be on staff with uh, such a fine group of people that love the Lord, mm -hmm. and I, it's, I've never participated in anything quite like this. That's awesome. That's awesome. As we close, Bob, I'd love to kind of hear your final thoughts as we kind of wrap up this week. And then as we just look forward to the future of the series for Peace in Exile. Well, I would conclude with what Paul said. And he was speaking to the Romans. And he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is talking about the gospel, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. And the gospel, just the message of the gospel is our, that's our power. Mm -hmm. That is what gives us hope. That is what gives us peace. That is what gives us joy. That is what brings us into right relationship with God and with other people. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us, conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.